All right, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. This week, we're getting the band back together. It's going to be me, Lucas, and producer Adam. It's our one-year anniversary. Who would have thought we would have made it that far, huh? Uh, This week, we're doing the Shawshank Redemption, so get busy living or get busy dying and check us out. The Shawshank Redemption's coming up right now. There's not a day goes by Mr. Norton, the warden, you are convicted felons. That's why they've sent you to me. I'm here to Wife killing banker. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can fit right in. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside they can't touch. What are you talking about? Hope. Damn it, Dufresne, you're putting me behind. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. Oh, my holy God. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. All right, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. And with me, as always, is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Uh, how are you? Doing well. Uh, pretty awesome moment for our show. This is our one-year anniversary show. And I don't know about you, but I didn't think we would last this long. Have we lasted this long? Yeah, well, we're doing a fucking one-year anniversary show. <laughs> All right. Well, then we've lasted this long. All right. Yay. And uh, for this episode... Where's your, where's your little applause track? Oh, no, it's it's coming in a minute. I'm going to... I got a new board, so I'm going to test it out tonight. So it's going to sound like we're in front of a live studio audience. How fucking cool is that? That is very cool. It is cool. And uh, for this episode, we got the band back together. I'll be honest with you, after... Uh, Put this thing together, uh, pitching a little trouser tent for the excitement. <laughs> trouser tent. Yeah, like I'm going to turn it into a t-shirt. Uh, Adam, producer Adam's back with us. Adam, how are you, my friend? I am doing great, Russ. Uh, you want to wave to the crowd, get the applause going? Yeah, let's do that. Um. Man, you, you know how to work a crowd. Man, that crowd went wild. They they fucking went ballistic. Um, I know we are doing mostly horror movies in the month of October because it's spooky season, as the basic bitches say. And pumpkin spice. Oh yeah. Give me my pumpkin spice. I've also heard that October is Han Solo season too, but I don't know. It's really warm for October. At least in our neck oh. of the woods. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I, I've seen that online. The girls wearing those outfits. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, the memes. Yep, I got you. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, but all since this is our one-year anniversary, we wanted to do something special. And I think all three of us are in agreement this is probably in our top ten favorite movies of all time. Am Very I wrong? Yes. Very good. All right, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing the, the Shawshank Redemption today. Fucking awesome movie if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, I don't know what's wrong with you. They fucking play it all the time on TV. So. True. Second best okay. movie of 94. If you <laughs> Shut up. Seen it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to be spoiling some things in the movie. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to our podcast. Well, I think we've I think we've established with spoilers. This movie is almost 30 years old. I think we're past the point now of spoiling it. Like if this was this came out 6 months ago, then yeah, I'd say like Turn it off yeah. now, go watch it, and come back and revisit the show. But you know what? If you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. So, 
Um, Shame on you for not having seen it. <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife's grandmother, whenever she's uh, she scolds somebody, she always says, shame, shame. She points at that finger. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to give you the shame, shame point for not watching this. Uh, so, uh, Lucas, I'll start with you. When was the first time you seen the Shawshank Redemption? Uh, a year ago. What? Maybe. A year yeah. ago? I think so. Okay, now I don't feel as bad when I share my my story. What took <laughs> I, you so long? You know, I've seen it on... It's always on TNT. Yep. Always. TNT or AMC now. It's always on one of those two stations. Um, I've seen it on there, but I never really took the time to watch it. And I believe that uh, you and Adam gave me so much shit about having never seen it. <laughs> That, that sounds like something we would do. <laughs> I finally broke down and watched it. I'm yeah, glad I did. Yeah, that's something that Adam and I would do. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, if you're doing this episode, we we've we've found out over time if it's a movie you don't like, you're just gonna sit it out. So. Who <laughs> me? Yeah, you. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just like, wow, that movie sucks. Why are we doing that? I'm not fucking coming on there. Yeah throw a hissy fit yeah lucas the fucking prima donna <laughs> um adam what about you when was the first time you got to see the shawshank redemption you know i don't quite remember what year it was i know it was super like late 90s early 2000s and it was on tv i watched it uh like all the other movies that i usually watch with my dad uh but yeah, I think that's the very first time I watched it, and um, I was hooked uh, because it was a it was one of those movies that had like the ending that you didn't expect, kind of like a, a M Night Shyamalan movie, but much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but good is what you mean. <laughs> well, I mean M Night Shyamalan is like you know fifty fifty. This one, this one's good. This one's yeah. So I was hooked and it immediately became one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I know for me, uh, I'm old enough to remember when this came out in movie theaters. And I remember like a lot of people, I read that I wasn't the only one, but I heard the title and I'm like, what the fuck is this about? The Shawshank Redemption? I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking bother with it. Um, and then uh, I, I was really wrapped up in uh, the Dark Knight phenomenon back in 2008 and like you know like everybody was talking about how awesome Heath Ledger was so I just I don't know stumbled on IMDB one day and they have their top 100 movies or whatever and I had seen that the Shawshank Redemption was number one so I'm okay I gotta finally just cave and see what all the hubbub is about this so I I think I bought the Blu-ray or the DVD and watched it and just was fucking blown away. It, and, yeah, I mean the the acting in this is top notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I kind of beat myself up because I hadn't seen it sooner than that. I was like, why did it take me so long to watch this? I mean, I worked at a video store, so there's really no excuse why I shouldn't have watched it. But I just never bothered with it. It just had the weird title, and even when it came out in theaters, it was kind of came out around the same time Pulp Fiction did and Pulp Fiction was like this fucking huge cultural phenomenon and just kind of got swept under the rug and I just never bothered with it I was like 
Now I need to get myself the finger, the shame, shame finger. <laughs> yeah, it's usually Mia gets that. Right. So, yeah, I was a little late to the game, too. So I'm kind of ashamed of myself for that. Uh, when I was uh, doing some research in this, uh, a lot of people consider this like one of the best movies of all time. Uh, I was going to ask you guys. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the best movie of all time because there's movies that are older that I can go back to and watch time and time again. But uh, it does beg an interesting question. Like over the last 30 years, maybe we'll just do 31 so we get that nice round 1990 number. Uh, where would you rank this amongst the best movies of the last 30 years? Lucas, I'll start with you. I don't know. Um, were you raising your hand? Were you pointing down to Adam? Well, I was pointing down to Adam because I didn't know who was going to go, but I'll go. Um, I just thought I you were going, to Al. <laughs> Saw that ass. Yeah. No, uh, I'd put it as number two because you know my feelings for Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Which was the best movie of the year of 1994, according to the Oscars. I think we're going to save that argument for when we decide to do Pulp Fiction. I think we'll save, we'll table that argument for that episode, but go on. Fair enough. Yeah. So I, I would put it probably as number two. I mean, gosh, well, I don't know. There's been a lot of good movies in the last 31 years. Well, it was, a, I'll be honest with you. That's a question I thought of probably about a half an hour before we, we went on. So I kind of, I didn't prepare you guys fully for this. That's all right. Uh, we do this shit on the fly anyway. Mm-hmm. That's why I we're mean, so popular. Oh, yeah. 24 listens, what's up? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, gosh, because, you know, The Matrix is so good. Um, Lord of the Rings. I really love those movies. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. I mean, I'd still, I still think I'll probably put it at two. Mm -hmm. Just the the acting and the story itself, just all incredibly excellent. Mm -hmm. What about you, Adam? I don't, I don't know if I can put it at number two, um, but it is definitely in my top ten. I can't really decide where it's at there because there's a lot of movies that I I really really like. And some of them I even cheat and, and make like, you know, this trilogy is good. So I'm just going to say it's in my top ten and leave it there because I don't want to um, rank it above or below any of my other favorite movies. Mm. Well, as a caveat to what I said, my favorite movies interchange constantly anyway. So, yeah, that's as I've gotten older, I'm kind of the same way. Um I was uh when I thought of this <clears throat> excuse me when I thought of this question uh as you know uh you say that uh Forrest Gump was the best movie this year I am of the pulp fiction camp myself mm -hmm. but uh I don't know like I think I've seen Shawshank more just because it's it seems like it's on TV a lot more and it's just like one of those movies that I can I can't do it with pulp fiction where I can just stop and watch it and just like I can watch like a scene and then I can walk away from it. Whereas Shawshank, yeah. like once I'm locked in, like okay, I'm done. Cancel dinner plans. Shawshank's on. So, you know, what I think is pretty funny is you're in the Pulp Fiction camp. Lucas is in the Forrest Gump camp. I think I'm in the Shawshank camp for the best movie of that year. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to make a gentleman's agreement with you fellas that uh, when we do Pulp Fiction, I think we do the three of us. 
Okay. Sounds good. And right. we'll debate, you know, why whichever one we believe is the better movie. Now, I'm going to have to watch all three of them again before we do that because, like, I'll be honest with you right now, just watching Shawshank, it's a fucking beautiful movie. And I think right now I would probably put it a little above Pulp Fiction just because I haven't seen Pulp in quite a while. I'm, but I'm sure I can change that. Like, I'll, I'll watch Pulp Fiction. I like, oh, hey, Adam, can you uh, re-edit some of my stuff about Pulp Fiction? I, I kind of want to change my... <laughs> But um, I I'd say for me, I would the only movies from the last thirty years that I could say that I would say are better, or at least my personal favorites would be Goodfellas would be number one. That's my one of my top five movies of all time. Uh, this Pulp Fiction, and then probably Terminator Two. Because Terminator Two is ninety one. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. See my. I can't put it at two now. Like, <laughs> just thinking about like the, I would have to make a list, and then write, you know, review it. I, it's just so hard. There's so many good movies in the last thirty-one years. I know it's a hard question. I should have like prepared you guys, but like I, I got the mind a little limber. I had a, had a couple whiskeys before we came on. Need to settle the nerves a bit. You gotta do. You gotta do, man. And I was like, man, yeah. I had that no that. I had that whiskey brain. I'm like, fuck, that's a good question. I should have told him earlier. It's too late now. No going back. Um, all right, well, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's easily a top 10 movie the last 30 years. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Harumph. 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 Um, I was looking, and uh, this movie was kind of a box office bomb when it came out. But uh, over time, it's kind of become like a modern-day classic, as we were talking about one of our top 10 movies of the last 30 years. Uh, why do you think... Uh, why do you guys think it became so popular over time? Adam, I'll start with you, since I let off with Lucas first. I think that it was uh, mainly just the timing of the release. Like you said before, Pulp Fiction kind of, you know, overshadowed it. And I think... It being a good movie, good movies always succeed in one way or another. I mean, even if they don't do well at the box office, they're going to have some kind of success as a video release. I mean, people are going to see the movie. Mm. And then, you know, there's word of mouth and, um, you know, critics still see the movie and they still write their pieces about it. So I think that even though it was a box office bomb, it was still destined to be a success just because it was so good. It makes me uh, wonder, too, if, like, it's kind of a yin and a yang. Like, it probably wouldn't get made today just because, like, yeah. it just studios aren't going to invest that kind of money. But also when you said word of mouth, like, social media wasn't around back then, so you couldn't, like, put on Twitter, like, I just seen the fucking greatest movie I've ever seen in my life about two guys in prison. Yeah. And there's no fighting in it or very little <laughs> fighting. But, yeah, it just kind of makes me, uh, you know, it kind of makes you, it's something to think about. But, uh, Lucas, why do you think that, uh, I mean, considering how bad this tanked, like, what do you think caused this to become, like, the classic that it's known to be today? You know, I, I kind of wonder if it's the TNT effect. Because, I've, you know, like, a Christmas story, box office bomb, right? I don't know if it was a bomb, but I don't. I wouldn't say it was a huge hit. But yeah, it's so, on TV all the time during Christmas. 
I wonder if it was just played so much on TNT that people, you know, finally started to take notice of it. Like, like me, for example. And then, you know, when they finally watched it, notice how great the story and the acting were kind of, you know, figured out this movie should be, you know, more than what the box office was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's what it is too. Just the fact that it being on TV so much, like, I don't know anybody that hasn't seen this movie, and most people I know caught it on TV. Um, yeah, I did see some interesting facts about this though. Like, it had two theatrical releases. It came out. Uh, well, let me go. To the t- it came out the twenty third of September ninety four, and it was a huge hit bomb. And then after it got nominated for its Oscars, it got re released and made like most of its money off of that. Hmm. So. People started to discover it after that. And then Warner Brothers shipped out 320,000 rental copies of this thing. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, which is a crazy amount for a movie that's not like a sell-through title. Because I don't know if we've talked about this, but like back in the video store days, unless this movie was like a huge, huge hit, they didn't put movies out for sale right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Disney put their shit out. You know, you might get like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves or... Uh, Home Alone would come out for sale but like for the most part you can only rent movies and they were like super fucking expensive they're like a hundred dollars to buy them which come on yeah it's like come on what do you think I am made of money but (laughs) actually I think I remember we talked about that in our Terminator 2 episode I think we did which is available on all uh, podcasting I love that plug way to go (laughs) way to go Lucas you're catching on (laughs) but um I was reading this. Uh, this was the most rented movie of 1995, and it's one of the highest-grossing uh, video rentals of all time to this day. Well, I mean, yeah. there's no video stores anymore, but I should have uh, I should have shared my notes with you because now you're cutting into my facts. Oh shit! <laughs> all right. Well, it looks like we started the categories already. All right. Well, I'll, I'll shut up about the uh, the video store stuff, but yeah, I think. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's on TV constantly. I think I always catch it once a week on something. I actually watched it three nights ago on uh, AMC, I think. Hmm. And it was one of those things where it was on TV. It was like 10 o'clock, and it was the, uh, it was the scene where uh, Tommy gets introduced. And then I was just, I should have gone to bed. But then I didn't, so I regretted <laughs> the next. In. I, I kind of I got I regretted the next morning. It's like fuck, this movie's on. Like, well, it looks like I'm staying up for the rest of the night. I'm going to be an absolute shit bag at work tomorrow. Better prepare the snooze button. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, since uh, I pretty much stepped on Adam's categories or his research for uh, the research <laughs> corner, we're just going to go ahead and get into the categories. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, because I don't want to shit on anybody else's stuff. Um, uh, it's all good. I got extra stuff. So okay, we're, good. We're good. All right. He's going to text Lucas like, man, Russ is a fucking asshole. Like, I had all this shit planned out. He goes and... <laughs> if Adam ever texts me that anybody is an asshole, that would be the fucking... I would celebrate. Like, Adam <laughs> actually talked bad about somebody. Holy shit. Yeah, Adam is probably the kindest human being that I know. So, for him to He's speak ill of anybody... Of- He's definitely one of two people I know that I'm like, 
That guy just never talks shit about anybody ever. So let me ask you this, Adam, before we get into the categories. Why are you friends with Lucas and I? Because I think Lucas and I are generally regarded as dirtbags. Uh, well, you're not. You're awesome people. Why, why would anybody think that? I don't know. Seriously, I'm asking, like, why would people think that? You're awesome. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if people interacted on our social media, which you can find us at the Couch Rotato Podcast on pretty much everything. I love how you tell just... Tell us why. Yeah, somebody's going to... I'm sure the the opinion on Lucas would change once we start doing video and they they see Lucas every every Saturday night when we record. He's totting out the gun show, eh? Look at them guns. Get them to, a military uh, contract. We need to have a a video podcast uh, sometime in the future when we get big. Just have like a video podcast and post it somewhere. Yeah, we should. That'd be really fun to do. And I kind of regret having those shots of whiskeys now because i think i'm off the rails already um all right we'll get on the tail of the tape enough of my drunken tomfoolery uh this movie was released on september the 23rd 1994 stars morgan freeman tim robbins bob gunton urbano ohio's own clancy brown oh shit yeah james whitmore gil bellows and william sadler uh, this was directed by Frank Darabont, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 91% from critics and 98% from audiences. The box office was $58.3 million on a $25 million budget. This movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards and in 2015 was selected by the U.S. Library of Congress to be preserved in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and you can stream this movie on hbo max way to go hbo max you're much better than paramount plus <laughs> and there goes any chance of sponsorship from them <laughs> you know what fuck paramount plus man like they don't put any of their good shit on there that's true i, I seriously like my I, paramount plus gets more play in my house than anything because my daughter is an absolute paul patrol fanatic I seriously watch Paw Patrol for about seven hours a day. Uh, and I never see anything good on like their... I think that the Raiders movies are on there. The Indiana Jones stuff. That's it. Um, I, to go along with the uh, where it's streaming, I think I saw this as playing on Bravo like 85 million times this week. So. Oh, really? Yeah, this. I think this was on Netflix for a while too, but you can get this on HBO Max. I did confirm that. Uh there's a handy app called Just Watch. You can look up any movie. It tells you where it's streaming at for free, where you can rent it, where you can buy it. Awesome app. I highly recommend it. Just Watch, if you do listen to this show, we would really love it if you sponsored our show. We sound desperate. <laughs> it's not the first time. Desperation's my middle name. That's a fucking sweet middle name. No, it's not. Uh, gives you a bad <laughs> reputation. All right. Uh, the William Somerset Research Corner. Um, this movie was based off the Stephen King short story, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I thought this was kind of funny. They had to change it just to the Shawshank Redemption so they didn't get applications from actresses like wanting to play Rita Hayworth, thinking it was, was some kind of Rita Hayworth biopic. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, I, uh, Frank Darbont uh, 
was uh, in an interview, and he said that there was an agent that called him and said that his client read the script. It was the best thing she'd ever read, and he or she felt she would be the perfect actress to play Rita Hayworth. So she <laughs> didn't read the script. No, she did not. Unless she wanted uh, to just, you know, be nailed to a wall in a prison cell for, you know, a couple of shots. I don't know. Like, that'd be, I know Stephen King is known for his uh, scary stuff. That would turn uh, this movie into Hellraiser pretty quick if there was an actress pinned against a. <laughs> A prison wall and it would be really weird when Andy's trying to tunnel through the chip on the wall I was like excuse me can you move I gotta I gotta bust what out this would he t- what would he tunnel into you know what I'm saying <laughs> I don't have that on the sound pad I just have how Lucas's jokes normally go the womp 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 I was gonna, you could play the sad trombone I'll wait for, for the perfect opportunity to do that <laughs> yeah, cause you know it's coming it, yeah it's definitely coming um, this was uh, this Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption was part of a collection of Stephen King's short stories called Different Seasons and this is a cool little uh, fun fact uh, there were th- two other movies from that collection of stories that were uh, turned into movies the Apt Pupil which came out in 98 had uh, Ian McKellen and Brad Renfro uh, directed by piece of shit director Brian Singer and then uh, the body, which was uh, turned into Stand by Me in 1986, which is excellent. It is. Uh, it, I think we were discussing before the show, or at least before we recorded, that it's kind of uh, kind of funny that the best Stephen King movie adaptations are based off of uh, stories that are not horror. Yeah, Shawshank and Stand by Me. That's not really a hot take. I mean, it's the it's the God's truth. Yeah. Stephen King will tell you himself. Yeah. Um, even though uh, Morgan Freeman, pretty well-known actor at this point, even when Shawshank came out, uh, this is the first time he narrates a movie, which I altered. I found out uh, after digging into this, he did a little bit of narration work in uh, Driving Miss Daisy. But uh, here's another fun fact you won't find anywhere on the Internet. Fuck Driving Miss Daisy unless you're 70 years old. <laughs> as an old person's movie if i ever heard one. Oh man russ you need to limber up a little bit more every episode <laughs> well i don't know about all that because uh that stuff i had tonight's pretty tasty stuff and i had to stop myself maybe i'll have a few more after this who knows there you go um, making us lose all of our geriatric re- or listeners, though. So. Adam, I've looked up the uh, the analytics on this, and uh, I think the oldest uh, listeners are like around fifty years old. No one over fifty listens to us, so we're good. Okay, all right, that's good. So it's all about keeping that core audience, the eighteen to thirty four, because if we buy it, we start selling T shirts. They're going to be the ones that buy it. They're going to ask mom and dad for 20 bucks to buy a t-shirt from our show. Please buy t-shirts from our show if we start selling them. Well, somebody was supposed to start doing that, but... <laughs> then he got Poe. <laughs> he got Poe as fuck. <laughs> um, Rob Reiner loved the script so much, uh, which at the time, Rob Reiner was the uh, head of... or He started Castle Rock Entertainment, that, uh, which also produced this movie. 
Uh, he offered Frank Darbont $2.5 million to direct, and he also gave him the opportunity to just direct anything else he wanted to under Castle Rock. Um, and I thought this was kind of weird that uh, – and it, I, now that I think about it, probably wouldn't work very well as a movie. Um, Rob Reiner's version of Shawshank Redemption was going to have Harrison Ford as Red and Tom Cruise as Andy. Yeah, I read about that. I thought that was kind of uh... – kind of weird to the picture yeah i could possibly see harrison ford but there's no fucking way i'm buying tom cruise as andy dufresne no, not at all <laughs> and you know like the links that tom cruise will go to learn something i'm sure like the scene where andy's crawling through like the sewer line he probably prob- cruise probably would have like trained with navy seals for like two weeks to like learn how to crawl properly in a, a pipe <laughs> I can't do oh, it. Oh, crazy ass Tom Cruise! We I can't you. do a Tom Cruise impression for anything, but if I could, I would definitely try to do a a Cruise all reciting a line couch. from a movie. Yeah, all you need is a couch. You just jump on it. Or show me the money. Man, you do one better than I can. Um, <laughs> Frank Darbont actually, I guess, strongly considered doing it, but he declined because he wanted to. Uh, since he'd already invested so much time into writing the script, he wanted to. He wanted the opportunity to direct something he thought was going to be great, so he turned Rob Reiner down, which... Thank you, Frank Darbont. Because no one wants to see fucking Tom Cruise as Andy Dufresne. Correct. Um, Besides Harrison Ford, Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, and since we we do a Hollywood-based podcast, I can call him this, uh, Bob Duvall. You might know him as Robert, but Bob Duvall all considered at one point to play red all right yeah I don't know, like yeah no i mean we're not recasting anybody in this um movie. spoiler alert to later on in the podcast yeah like <laughs> I, I couldn't really see anybody playing that although i i've never read the shawshank story but uh reading about it uh red is actually a middle-aged uh, white guy with graying red hair yeah, and I, I believe Morgan Freeman actually makes a joke in the movie about being Irish. Yeah, they ask him why they call him Red, and he says because he's Irish. <laughs> I guess that Darbont wanted him, though, because of his demeanor and his presence. Which Yeah. Darbont just hitting fucking home runs tonight, hitting dingers. <laughs> Gone forever. Um, uh, outside of Tom Cruise... Uh, Jeff Bridges, Kevin Costner, Tom Hanks, Matthew Broderick, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, and Charlie Sheen were considered at one point for Andy, which I could buy Hanks and maybe Costner, but can you imagine how batshit crazy it would be if Nicolas Cage was... Although this is, <laughs> this is before Nicolas Cage like kind of just went off the rails. I don't know. Wait, wait, when did Raising yeah. Arizona come out? Oh, that's that's Crazy. late '80s. But like, this is before like this is before uh, The Rock and Con Air and then Face Off. Nicholas Cage. Did he, when did he make uh, Deadfall and he started kicking lamps and shit? And Vampires Kiss. Those Vampires were Kiss. I think those are also before. Or no, those are after Shawshank. Are they? I think so. I think that's like '95, '96. I think the point that we're trying to make is that Nicolas Cage is always crazy. Okay, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, 
I guess Tom Hanks turned it down only because he was doing Forrest Gump during this time. Wise choice. No, it wasn't. And um, <laughs> last one that I have is uh, the role of Tommy was offered to Brad Pitt, but he uh, turned it down because at the time he was starting to become a bigger movie star, and he actually accepted the lead in Interview with the Vampire, which uh, I don't know where you guys' feelings on Interview with the Vampire. Uh, I don't really, like, I haven't seen it since I've been old enough to know what the hell is going on in that movie. My sister loved that movie, mostly because, you know, they were really hot. But uh, if I remember right, it's not that bad. It's a movie. That's my It's better than Queen of the Damned. (laughs) That's a very good point. I haven't seen Interview with the Vampire in quite a long time. So if that tells you anything, I usually, for me, I try to revisit movies that I haven't seen in a while. Try to watch them at least once or twice, but I haven't seen Interview with the Vampire since I seen it in the movie theater. So, so you're not a fan, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah. Fair enough. It's a, <laughs> it's it's a chick's vampire story, right? What's it? Yeah, just like, yeah. I I honestly, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. There's nothing special about. It out it. Now. Well, <laughs> just to remember. All right, well, let us know what you think. Let us know how far you get into it before you turn it off. Yeah, that's even better. (laughs) That's an even better point. Even with shitty movies, I, like, try to get all the way through them. The one exception, I think, was Sin City 2, when Russ and I went and seen that in IMAX. Is that what it was called, Sin City? Yeah, Dame to Kill For or something like that. Yeah, that movie fucking sucked, and we left early. Yeah, I don't think we finished it. That's the only time I've like if it's a bad movie I'm watching at home I I'll shut it off but if it's in a movie theater it's like fuck I've paid like twelve thirteen dollars fifteen dollars for this like I gotta stick it out and we couldn't even do that right we paid like seventeen dollars a ticket for that too yep that was, it was like RPX happened. 3D or some shit mm-hmm. there's only one movie that's happened to me at and it was uh, the Soloist with um. Robert Downey Jr. and uh, I, I think it was Jamie Foxx that was in. That yeah, movie. that's got them both in it. Yeah, I think I my that. wife and I went seeing that too, and I think we fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, that'll happen. It's a bad movie. But we didn't walk out. The ushers were nice enough to throw a blanket over us. They were sweet at the movie theater. <laughs> um, Adam, what kind of fun facts do you have? And I'll let you lead off since I shit on your stuff earlier. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I it, no, it's all good. I got extra facts. I uh, I decided to do some um, anachronisms. Uh, you know, just stuff that was in the movie that shouldn't have been in the movie because of the time period. Just because I thought it was fun. I'll do a little sleuthing. Yeah. Put put on your uh, Sherlock so, Holmes cap. <laughs> it's it's somewhat of the uh, unsolved mysteries of the movie, but it, not really. You know, so. Um, when uh, when Tommy goes out to the yard to talk to the warden, and the warden gives him cigarettes, uh, the cigarettes are um, have uh, marble miles on them, uh, which weren't uh, introduced until 1990. <laughs> <laughs> and it's supposed to be, I, I think at the time it was the 60s. It was. Uh, and uh, there's a few of them like that in there, too. Like uh, when they're talking about um, doing taxes, um, 
the uh, federal income tax uh, time wasn't uh, in April like they are today. It was actually in March, on March 15th. So they got the time period wrong for uh, the tax season. And uh, the same thing with the taxes, uh, when they're tarring the roof and he's talking about um, the IRS uh, letting you give a gift to your wife. Uh, the IRS wasn't called the IRS back then. It was called the Bureau of Internal Revenue. And it didn't become the IRS until later in the 50s. And at the time, I believe it was like 1949, 1950. Hmm. Wow. Damn, Adam, bringing the fucking fire. No shit. Like, you <laughs> dig fucking got deep. By the way, <laughs> I had a badass steel tip dartboard from Marble Miles. No, oh, did you? <laughs> I did. How many packs did you have to smoke to get that? <laughs> well, luckily my parents ran a bar, so there okay. was plenty of cigarette packs to go around. <laughs> it's like, hey, are you gonna can I have that tab? I'm gonna try to get this dartboard. <laughs> and this sweet members only marble jacket too. Oh man. Did anybody not have that marble jacket? <laughs> I didn't. Really? Because I don't want to look like the guy that like people call, like, hey, I think there's a, a guy in a Marlboro jacket like scoping out kids at this park. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead, Adam. Let me uh, continue. Okay, yeah. Uh, I actually counted all of that as one fact, just like a bunch of anachronisms. Uh, uh, I had here that uh, Stephen King uh, thought that this was um, – like one of the best adaptions of his books. Uh, and it was also uh, Morgan Freeman's favorite film of his own. Oh, wow. Um, which, you know, it should be. It's a really good movie. It is, and considering uh, that all the shit Morgan Freeman's been in. Yeah. It wasn't wanted when he was like, shoot this motherfucker. <laughs> I think that's my favorite line of his, but, you know. Go ahead, Russ, I saw you. <laughs> I saw, uh, no, I'm, I'm not now. It kind of, it's ruined. <laughs> the moment's not there now. Um, let's see here. Oh, uh, when uh, speaking of uh, Morgan Freeman, when uh, Red's throwing the baseball in the uh, the jail yard at the beginning of the movie, um, the shot took nine hours, and he threw the baseball the entire time. And uh, he didn't really complain about it or anything, but the next day he had to show up in a sling because of how much he threw the baseball. Little known fact, Morgan Freeman, after the filming of Shawshank, had Tommy John surgery. He was out for 12 months. <laughs> had to put him on the IR. Yeah. Um, and uh, Shawshank Prison is a staple of Stephen King's writing, um, and most of which is set in Maine. Uh, but while it only appears in this particular story, there are several characters that have served time at Shawshank Prison in his other works. Hmm. Which I believe I, I was looking at that one too. Uh, what what movie was that where she references like you'll go to Shawshank if you don't stop touching my daughter or something? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I I wish I would have wrote it down. See, I I, I need my wife here. She's in Florida. She's like a Stephen King expert. She would have been my. I just would have been like, yo, babe. Babe, hey. need help here. <laughs> but that's all I had. All right, Lucas, what do you got for us? 
Uh, Clancy Brown said that he received several offer offers from real life uh, corrections officers. Wait a minute, who? Him. Clancy Brown. Oh, me. I'm sorry. Urbana's own Clancy Brown. There you go. My That's man. the ticket. <laughs> uh, to make his portrayal of Captain Hadley more realistic, he turned them all down because Hadley was an evil character and he didn't want to misrepresent real corrections officers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he didn't want to make them look like shit. Yeah, dude. Uh, Byron Hadley is a fucking maniac. And, like, I don't know if, like, back in those days, if they taught, like, those guards how to like like the right amount of force to use in those billy clubs but like basically like Byron Hadley was an all or nothing type of security guard like when he was hitting you he was going all out all the time so he was he was one of those batters that was either a home run or a strikeout yeah he is like a modern day baseball player now it's like either I'm going for a home run or I'm going to strike out trying right um so after the film gained popularity, which we had talked about, took a little while, mm -hmm. uh, Ted Turner sold the television rights to TNT, which is his own network, uh, for much lower than he would on a mu you know much lower price than he would for a normal big film. Um, because it's so inexpensive to show, the film is broadcast on TNT extremely often. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you think about it, though, like, but Shawshank's what, like two hours and thirty minutes, roughly uh, two twenty-five, sure. two thirty, something like that. Something, yeah, like, something that. like that. That's, That's gonna be like a three-hour block of programming. So, man, you can just like rake in the advertising dollars. That's like a half an hour of commercials at least. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Uh, in the movie, Red says, "I committed murder." They never really say what happened, um, but in the book. Red disconnected the brakes on his car to kill his wife to collect an insurance policy. Uh, but it ended up killing his wife, the neighbor's wife, and the neighbor's kid. Oh, wow. So he was actually in there for triple murder. Damn. Or vehicular murder or whatever. Whatever it was back then. This some He did some fucked up shit. Yes. He's not... He, He's a great guy in the movie, but he's not a great guy. Well, he also did that when he was super young, too. Yeah, true. Um, so the the movie takes place... Um, shit, I just drew a blank. The prison. The... Uh, Mansfield. Yeah. Yeah, Mansfield. Um, so the Mansfield locals wanted to be extras, but many of them weren't available during the day because of their jobs or they were only available for one day, which obviously doesn't work for a prison film. So a lot of the extras were found at a halfway house, and they were real-life real ex-cons. Oh, wow. You know, that's like a big tourist attraction now, that prison. Is that yeah. where incarceration is? Yeah, they, they hold a big uh, rock festival there every year called uh, Incarceration. And then um, I know they filmed uh, Godsmack did a video there. I think uh, the Steven Seagal classic, uh, it's the prison movie where he's locked up with DMX. or Jaw Fuck, I get him confused all the time. He did a movie with DMX, and he did a movie with Jaw Rule. Um, half Past I'll Dead. I'll take your word on that. <laughs> yeah, Half Past Dead. I think they filmed that there. Uh, Exit Wounds is the movie he did with DMX. Okay. But they filmed I'm a Steven Seagal prison movie. 
at that prison too. A uh, little bonus fact: um, the prison was so run down when they were going to film it there that they decided to do most of the scenes on a soundstage because it would cost less than doing the repairs to be able to film at the prison. Oh wow! I don't know if you've seen the inside of the prison recently, but it looks like garbage. Like it, it's run down pretty bad. I'm Apparently, sure it's haunted too. Scary, like, you know? I guess they run like tours and stuff, and like uh, they do like a lot of the the ghost chasing stuff through that. Yeah, the ghost hunters have been there a couple of times. Oh, have they? Yeah. Hmm. So we've seen uh, your bonus fact, Lucas, and raised you a bonus fact. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's a bonus raise, Daddy. <laughs> you got uh, anything else for? No, that's all the facts. All right, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Um. This next category, uh, out of the, uh, the, the, I think this is our 40th episode now, uh, the hardest category to narrow a winner down for, but this is the uh, I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Um, so... Uh, Adam, I'll let you lead off with this one. Uh, what is your nominee for the best scene of the movie? Okay, my. Uh, and are you on a, a boat by chance? Because your camera keeps rocking back and forth. I'm starting to get seasick. I'm, or I'm, I'm drunk. I'm, one of the two. I'm super uncomfortable right now. I have, like, I'm in my my chair, my gaming chair, which is really comfortable, but I don't have a good footrest, and I don't like my laptop to sit on my my lap that that long so i'm just moving around trying to get more comfortable okay i thought you were on a boat <laughs> on a boat and it's going fast and it would be a lot louder if i were on a boat it would be very poor for a podcast to be on a boat okay good <laughs> uh next time we like i'll make sure you're never on a boat when we we need you okay <laughs> i don't want to catch any of that background noise that's hard nah. to edit out nah dog so, we don't need no seagulls in this shit <laughs> All right, what's your best scene of the movie, Adam? Uh, I have a couple of uh, uh, honorable mentions, but um, my nominee is going to be the breakout sequence. Uh, just because every time I, I watch it on TV, if it's anywhere near that breakout sequence, I'm going to watch it until the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's near the end of the movie anyways, but it's still just so fun to watch. Anytime from the time he decides to talk to Red about leaving and red's not like understanding him uh all the way until he crawls out of the uh the pipe mm -hmm. you know that's even even after that when he's like you know collecting the money and everything that's my favorite sequence mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm grouping that all together i know that's kind of cheating but hey you know what maybe i did the same thing <laughs> but that's probably my favorite scene i did have a couple of honorable mentions though um I did like the beer, uh, the beer on the roof scene where uh, he um, talks the guard into getting everybody beer, um, and then everybody starts to like Andy. I thought that was really um, a really human moment because, mm -hmm. like, they weren't convicts and uh, guards anymore at that point. They're just you know guys working on a roof drinking beer. Yeah, I thought um, that was a really cool. Sequence. I noticed too during that scene when they show like Andy with his back against the wall, like it just seems to kind of brighten up with this like this color from the sun. Yeah. So it kind of just gives it like this different look to it. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and I think that was really cool too. That um, because 
uh, we learned that Andy was in a drunken rage at the beginning, and that that's you know part of why he was convicted was because they think like you know he killed his wife and his, her lover in a drunken rage, and then he he tells them like no I I, I quit drinking I don't want to drink. Uh, yeah. Mini unsolved mystery of the movie: uh, Who drank Andy's beers? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there has to be there has to be a couple of extras there. I watched that today. I was like, "Who drank Andy's three beers?" Because they were supposed to get three for everybody. Yeah, I bet it was the guards. Probably. I mean, if there was any extra, they would have gotten it anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I also liked uh, the scene with uh, Brooks um, getting out of prison. Mm-hmm. It's a sad scene, but it's it's a really good scene. Yeah, I, I mean it. It shows the um, institutionalization of, you know, the people that are in there. and It just shows, like, they're in there for that long. They're that dependent on the system. And I just – and plus, Brooks is a really, you know, likable character too, so. Yeah. Those are my uh, honorable mentions. But my my favorite is the breakout sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lucas, what do you have? Uh, I have the beers on the roof, mm-hmm. and the reason I have that is because it really sets, it really sets in motion everything that Andy does to be able to break out. So you know, befriend the guards, teach him about the taxes, which led to, you know, him stop, be, you know, being raped, which led to him, you know, being friends with friends in quotes with the warden, which led to him being able to get the tools he needed from Red and nobody noticed that he was chiseling away behind the giant poster in his cell to escaping to making his way to Mexico. You know what? I, you said that and it just kind of blew my fucking mind for a second. Like, damn, like that makes sense. Like it, it really does. Yeah. (laughs) I made sense. Now, now I was trying to like, I was trying to like go back. Like, did he get the rock hammer before the roof or did he get it afterward? Because now, like, now my fucking mind's turning, like, fuck, like, you just totally took this movie in a different direction for me now. <laughs> well, I believe, I think he's smart enough to, he had a plan as soon as he got in there on how he was going to get out. Yeah. Andy Dufresne, cerebral as fuck in that movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, that makes, like, perfect sense because, yeah, like, everything, like, once he gets the beer, like, he gets the respect yeah. of the the fellow inmates the guards kind of have a trust thing with him now damn right. damn lucas yep. now now i kind of want to have like a uh, a showdown between like you know who who's more cerebral is it andy dufresne or macgyver or you know danny no. ocean whoa 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 <laughs> pumped brakes key i i did see andy dufresne make a fucking hang glider out of the uh, like the the cover of the Count of Monte Cristo and a paperclip. <laughs> so no, he's he's not MacGyver. He's cerebral in a different rail. Like he may be like a Kaiser Soze. Okay, all right. Which uh, for those of you who haven't seen The Usual Suspects, shame, shame. Even though. Kevin Spacey's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> he is. True. 
I I couldn't choose one scene too. I mean, it took me a while. Like uh, the rooftop scene, obviously, that's a fucking great scene. Uh, yeah, the Brooks scene that fucking breaks my heart watching that every time. Uh, but for me, it's the get busy living or get busy dying that whole talk between him and red because it kind of shows where they're at at their point the points of their lives in the prison like red has just become so so set like nothing's going to change for him he's going to die in that prison and i think andy is at that point where after tommy dies you know like i can't i can't be here anymore he's talking about like the dreams that he has and plus like once the movie starts like it basically, and I'll fight anybody on this. This is probably the best forty-five minute stretch in any movie I've ever seen. Because really, like yeah. from that point on, you get the Andy escape sequence, which you said. Which when I first seen this, I, I thought for sure Andy was going to kill himself. It definitely did seem like. He and like, yeah, because like the whole they set it up beautifully. Like fuck, Andy's going to kill himself. He's just had it, and that's how he's going to get out of Shawshank. He's just going to take his own life, and then like. The fucking guard, like, he, like, gets everybody up. Andy's not answering the call. And then Andy's fucking gone. Yeah. And then Norton throws that rock to that poster and you just hear it echoing through that hole. And I'm like, fuck, Andy escaped. He's fucking (laughs) out. (laughs) And then, like, yeah, the whole, like, he swam through, like, 500, was it 500 yards of foul-smelling. And then, like, yeah, the, the whole sequence where the, yeah, you see Andy escape from Shawshank. He basically steals the warden's money that he laundered. Uh, Hadley gets arrested. Norton kills himself, and then Red gets out of Shawshank, and then eventually goes and meets Andy in Mexico. At the end, it just—I combine that as one long sequence because it just that speech sets the course of the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it—you know—that scene where the warden actually kills himself—that's that's a really good scene. Like. You never want to see anybody kill themselves, but the ultimate villain, you're like, finally got what he fucking deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, like, he's, when he's loading the gun, he loads it really slow. They're still, like, you know, banging on the door. And then he points it at the door, and you're like, oh, he's just going to have a showdown with him. But then, like, he turns the gun on himself. And you're like, oh, this is the way it's going. Mm-hmm. Also, Sam Norton, perfect form there, pointing the gun at the door. Like, he was going to clip somebody that came to that door. Yeah. Like, that's per- like he's, he's seen a movie or two where he just, like, he posts, has that arm pointed right at the door. Like, he's fucking locked in. Somebody's getting a cap right between the eyes. Stop it. Stop it right now. Don't. Stop it. Don't. Don't. Stop it. I, was, I used to use this gun when I was a prostitute. <laughs> Boy, I'm on one tonight. Um, I don't know, man. Like, you guys both nominated the rooftop sequence. That's a really good scene. I don't know. What wins this award? I don't know. Do we have to award it? Because <laughs> you know what? The, the movie is a great scene. All three win. It's a three-way tie. Okay. Nice. Just doing something special for the anniversary episode. Um, the uh, next category is the I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough uh, scene for the most unnecessary or the worst scene of the movie. I don't like sand. It's coarse and 
rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Uh, there's not one. No. No. Uh, if I were to nominate one, it might be the little, like, flashback sequence with uh, Blatch. I don't know. It just yeah. kind of gets under my skin the way he he laughs. He just looks like a very slimy character, which I guess is the point. But even then. I mean, I would also maybe nominate, like, you know, some of the scenes with the sisters just because they're so, like, uncomfortable. But even then, like, they're necessary evil, so you can't get rid of them. Right. Which I noticed today, uh, Boggs, played by uh, Mark Ronson, who was also in another Couch Potato podcast episode, The Departed. He's one of Jack Nicholson's cronies. He's the one that ends up dying on the couch when he gets shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. The one that ends up being the, the undercover cop. Cocksucker. Cocksucker. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's really not a bad scene in this movie, though, so I I don't think we don't really have to award this to anything today. Fair enough. Agreed. Harumph. Harumph. The King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me Award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Uh, Lucas, I'll let you uh, bat lead off on this one. What do you got, buddy? I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... that's that's my nominee. Adam, what do you Just got? that line. You know, that's, that's, I think, the most memorable quote from the movie, and I'm going to have to go with Lucas on that. Mm. But one of my favorites too is uh, uh, what Andy writes in the letter to Red is remember Red hope is a good thing maybe the best things and no good thing ever dies. Mm-hmm. I really I really like that line. Yeah, I do too. Um, I also have to get busy living or get busy dying uh, simply because, like I said, like that is part of the sequence that just kicks this movie up to a ten. Yeah. Um, plus, it's like I don't know. It's a kind of a a way to live your life like you can just live your life just waiting for shit to happen or you can kind of make your own destiny which is kind of what Andy yeah. did um, I also had a, a bonus nominee I had the uh, I love the line in the library when uh, Andy's trying to explain to Red how money laundering works Yeah, and then he says you know like on the outside I was an honest man straight as an arrow I had to come to prison to be a crook Yeah, like kind of makes line. me laugh every time I hear it <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think the get busy living or get busy die, that's like the most iconic line from the movie. It's pretty much the one you think of when this movie yeah. gets mentioned. So I think we have to give it to that one. Right. Agree. Yeah. Harumph. Harumph. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Harumph. <laughs> um, next one we got Steve McLovin for the best supporting performance of the movie I am McLovin um, I nominated James Whitmore's Brooks uh, I know like he's just kind of like he has a a grandfatherly kind of aura about him and, like, he's just yeah. like a super nice guy and like you know he's kind of the veteran of the Shawshank prison and plus like I don't know like that's the scene in the movie that just like I said earlier, it just breaks my heart watching him struggle when he gets released. Like he just, yeah. the world has just passed him by 
and the fact that he has to basically take his own life to be free finally just it's fucking sad but James Whitmore is like really good in it yeah he is yeah and I mean it that could have easily been like just kind of a that could have went a number of different ways but I think he plays it perfectly so I'm going to give it to James Whitmore but uh who do you guys have Lucas um I have Bob Gunton as Warden Norton See, I thought about him, but I'm also like trying to think if like how long he's in the movie. Cuz yeah. he's the third lead in this movie. He's like the third on the bill. Really? Mhm. Huh. I uh, think I, going forward we should have like three people on standby to make a judgment call. That's all they're going to do is like if we run into <laughs> like a, a a situation where we just can't come up with a definitive answer. We just go to the council. <laughs> I like it. Like a phone a friend. Let's phone the council. Yeah, get the council on the phone. That way there can't be, like, no tiebreakers or anything like that. It's just, yep, three. You can do a two-to-one vote, three, three nil. Or we could, like, we could always put up, like, a, a blank sheet. You know how people do that on Facebook, and then people fill it in with their own answers we can see hey who do you what do you think the best line of this movie was what do you think who do you think won the movie you know just to see if it compares to us well the only problem with that though lucas is we need more than eight people to listen to us we have 24 listens on average lately way to go guys (laughs) that's That's a lot what you said yeah but uh why bob gunton Let's get back on track. Why Bob Gunn? I just, I don't know. It just the believability that he was just a, just that dirty piece of shit. You know, like we, I think we all know a boss that's exactly like this. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Who yeah. just seems morally corrupt, like a morally corrupt piece of shit that has some sidekick that does all their dirty work for him. And then when they get in trouble for it, they peace out. You know, when you said that, it just made me, uh, like, a couple of months before uh, you and I both uh, left our former employer, that uh, you and I described that place as Shawshank, and that you and I were Red and Andy. But we couldn't figure out who was who, so we just decided, like, whoever got out first would be Andy, and whoever got out second was Red, and then you left before I did. See, I, I tied that all back in, oh, all together. That was beautiful. Took what, you gotta get took, busy living and get busy dying. That's right. You, you're goddamn right. But yeah, like Bob Gunton's like a really, really good villain in this. Yeah. And like, uh, I think the sign of a good villain is you want you love seeing them get theirs in the end, and like the fact that he just took the coward's way out, which is kind of weird considering he's a very religious man. He took his own life. Yeah, but I don't. Maybe it's just because he was a warden. He didn't want to go to prison. He knows what it's like. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he knew. Like, oh fuck, I get locked up with these. Can you just imagine, like, if he got locked up in a prison, him like the new warden saying, "I'll cast you out with the sodomites." <laughs> That's probably what would happen yeah. to him too. Yeah, Gunton's really good in this, though. But I'm just, I don't know if he's in it too much. Um, I don't have a backup. 
in my notes. Um, but I do uh, agree with you on, on your pick. So if if I can't go with Gunton, we'll go with yours. Okay, cool. Adam, who do you have? Adam, are you there? <laughs> I love how it's just a frozen face of Adam. He just... Uh, this is the second week in a row that we've we've lost that somebody. Skype dude. is just taking a shit on us. Right. I fixed it. Okay. There I'm he back. is. All right, you can edit that, can't you? Or fuck, just yeah, leave it in. It's it's no, it's leave funny. Leave it in. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, the I'm second not... week in a row where somebody has just like dipped for uh, like an extended period of time. <laughs> oh man, I just. The, the face that was frozen on there was just absolutely fucking hilarious. I just thought you were listening really intently. I did too. Like, I thought, like, fuck, like, you're compelled by Lucas and I's discussion <laughs> on Bob Gunton. It just immediately closed, and I was like, oh, crap, no. <laughs> oh, fuck, no. <laughs> fuck, fuck, shit. Um, I don't know how much of that you missed. Uh, Lucas nominated Bob Gunton, but I don't know if he's in the movie too much. I yeah I was I was there for most of it and I I would I would say that he's in like you know fifty percent of the movie so and and it wasn't any more than that so I would say that he counts oh he counts even though he's the third bill yeah even though he's like the third on the bill I think he'd count because he's in less than fifty one percent of the movie we gotta come up with a concrete set of rules for this category because it seems like we just say fuck it we'll just fly by the seat of our pants like okay. <laughs> we'll give it to Mark Wahlberg or I oh fuck we'll give it to like, Robert you know, Patrick or a character that is not the protagonist or well we'll we'll discuss that behind the scenes okay all right well who's your nominee my nominee is going to be uh Urbana's own uh Clancy Brown oh fuck see Lucas he got it right the first time <laughs> <laughs> It takes me a little time to figure shit out. Sorry. <laughs> I uh, I think that he was also a very good, um, not necessarily like a villain, but uh, he was a very good um, crony. He was a, he was ruthless. He was evil, but he was also um, good to the prisoners when it benefited him mm-hmm. too. So, and he even he even beat up. Uh, uh, I, I can't even think of his name. I just had a brain fart. Um, the head of the sisters. Oh, um, Boggs. Boggs. Yeah, he beat up Boggs for Andy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, he helped me get thirty-five thousand dollars. I'm going to beat up this guy for him. You know? Yeah, to the point where Boggs had to get transferred to a minimum security prison, and he couldn't eat anything outside of uh, drinking out of a straw. Right. Um, and if. Uh, if- if somebody's torturing you guys constantly and you give me $35,000, I'll do the same for you. Just saying. Um, Lucas, can I tell you a little secret? I don't have $35,000 to give. <laughs> that but, is like uh, half a year's salary for me. No, that's actually more than half a year. That's like fucking 80% of my yearly salary probably. <laughs> Sorry, um, Adam, but, go ahead. Uh, I think that, like, you know, there's small moments like that that get you to kind of like him, mm-hmm. but then you realize he is, uh, he's just a jerk. <laughs> he's ruthless and he'll kill people just because he's told to. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, this is going to be a tough one because we all uh, have different answers. Hmm. I I personally am going to disqualify Bob Gunn because I think he's in the movie too much. Okay, that's fair. That's, that's yeah. just me, though. I think he's in it too much. And I think, I don't know, just like him being the third bill of the movie. I mean, it's a good well, choice. Very good choice. He's awesome in it. I think he's in it too much. Just because... Urbana is never going to win anything because it's a piece of shit city. Uh, I'm going to go with Clancy Brown. You know what? I'll give it to Clancy Brown too because I, I think you guys both know that I always speak of Cl- Clancy Brown with adoration. I always loved him as a great. You know, he's just a great character actor. He's plus he's local, and I actually, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I spent about a week trying to find out how to contact him to see if I can get him on this. <laughs> well, I mean... No, I'm serious. I did. Like, I was looking up, like, how to contact Clancy Brown on Google. Like, like his, ta- his like, casting agent or whoever to get a hold of, and I was unsuccessful. It's pretty only, if you, only if you uh, make him do the Mr. Krabs voice. Oh, yeah, that's bonus points because, like, uh, my kids know him because he's Mr. Krabs. (laughs) Actually, my son was watching a little bit of this with me today, and I should have told him that, like, hey, you see that guy beating the shit out of him with that nightstick? That's Mr. Krabs. He owed him a dollar. (laughs) That's a guy didn't buy a – he stole a Krabby Patty. (laughs) All right. He, He fucked around and found out. Yeah. Fuck around, find out. You'll see what happened to Squidward next. <laughs> All right, but I'm I'm good with giving it to Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, you just won a McLovin, which we know he's not listening anyways. True. Um, the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you would recast, I couldn't think of anybody. This movie's pretty much cast perfectly, especially with Robbins and uh, Morgan Freeman. I'm getting rid of Tim Robbins for... Uh... Fuck, Tom Cruise. Lucas, you say anything that blasphemous again? I'm going to cast you out with the sodomites. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. There's nobody I can think of to recast yeah, me in either. this. I was just kidding. I know you were. Adam, you can chime in whenever. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Oh, we're going to me yet? Okay, yeah. No, I didn't have anybody either. All right, yeah, see, like, it's this is one of the movies where uh, that category works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. This is one of those movies that doesn't work. Um, the unsolved mysteries of the movie? Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Um, I kind of solved one on my own, doing a little uh, research. I always wondered what Brooks was in there for. Couldn't figure out why, like, Brooks was in there. It didn't really seem like I thought like maybe he robbed a bank or something. But no, uh, Brooks uh, in the novel apparently had a bad night at the poker tables and killed his wife and daughter. That's pretty fucking awful. Yeah, seems like a good reason to be in prison. So yeah, the the two like two of the most stand up dudes in Shawshank commit grisly fucking murders in the book that involve children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you, you, that's the fucked up thing about some of these. You like end up cheering for these guys. Mm-hmm. That's well. I mean, I, I'm willing to give Red and Brooks a pass because they've been in there so long, and I'm sure like 
they were young and stupid and they've kind of learned from that and they become better people just they can't catch a break yeah um well red red did yeah red did yeah him and andy are uh living it up in uh mexico right now (laughs) um the second unsolved mystery i have is uh i don't know if we went over this in the forrest gump episode or not but uh trying to figure out how martin landau won a best supporting oscar over both morgan freeman and samuel L. jackson yeah i got nothing i don't know i have um, no idea either because this is like that's sam jackson's probably best acting that yeah this is like uh for those of you uh don't know uh Martin Landau was nominated for Ed Wood. He played Bella Lugosi. He's really good in that. I actually really enjoy his performance in that. But, like, you got Morgan Freeman, who plays Red and Shawshank, nominated, didn't win. Which I think Morgan Freeman should have been the best actor. Him and Robbins are... Pretty much one and two. Yeah. And plus he's the narrator in the movie, Mm -hmm. so you could pretty much make him, like, the main actor. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, Samuel Jackson was uh, nominated for his role as Jules in Pulp Fiction. And I think this just lends more weight to my suggestion that they should take away Academy Awards, like evaluate it every five, ten years, and then if, like, maybe we shouldn't have given it that. They take it away and give it to somebody else. <laughs> See, and that brings us to a bigger unsolved mystery. Um, how can the Academy be wrong most of the time? <laughs> True. They they did not like, do a good job in 1994. What the hell is the voting process? It's uh, members like it's just it's kind of like a union. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. It's kind of like a union. You're like or like the players' association and like baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Um, Oscar time, they get sent screener copies and shit like that, and they just vote on what they think's the best. Hmm. A lot of times they get it wrong. And, like, with art, it's subjective, too, so you can't really, like, you know, put, like, you know, qualifications on what movies get nominated. <laughs> right, and, like, I think sometimes they vote in the moment, too. Like, Mart, like I said, Mart Landau as Ed Wood, fucking great. I think that might have been more of... I think Mart Landau was in his 70s when he got nominated, 60s or 70s, so I kind of look at that as like a Lifetime Achievement Oscar, which they they do from time to time. But, I mean, come on. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Come on, I mean. (laughs) I I just think it's a travesty. Like I said, I'm going to stand by that. I think that if I ran the Academy Awards, like I would seriously, like, I have no qualms taking them away from people. Russ is going to retroactively go back. Like, yeah, I'm just going to like, go back through like the last 40 years. So like, nope, Forrest Gump, you don't win Best Picture. This is going to Shawshank or Pulp Fiction. <laughs> if you have the, uh, Tom Hanks, you, you can keep the, your Best Actor nom- or Oscar. I'm I'm cool with that. If you had the time travel ability, what would you use your power for? Well, I'm going to go back and try and reaward some Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Might change some lives. That I would do two things. I would do that, and I'd also acquire the gray sports almanac and just 
become fucking Biff Tannen. <laughs> but you could also catch our Back to the Future episode wherever you listen to podcasts, too. Oh, that you plug. can. Nice plug. Um, uh, Adam, do you have any unsolved mysteries of the movie before I go off on too much of an Oscar tangent? <laughs> I do. I have one. Um, and it, uh, I, as I was trying to skim through the movie today and ended up watching the entire thing, um, I was watching the end, and they skipped from Red on the bus um, going towards, you know, Mexico to find uh, Andy um, to being in Mexico. And he was talking about, well, I hope I can cross the border. And I was thinking to myself, how how did he cross the border? He was a he was a convict, probably didn't have a passport at the time because he he was in prison for so long, had very little money from what he got from Andy. And then I went into research it a little bit too about like, okay, well maybe there wasn't a lot of border patrol agents there. So I was researching the border in the 1960s. I actually went in depth with this. I, it sounds and, like you did. Like you're fucking like telling people, like the IRS wasn't started to this day. Like they're gonna listen to this and they're gonna think like Lucas and Russ are fucking amateurs. Adam should just be doing this whole thing. <laughs> I was just I was just really curious with this one, just because of like the different time periods it takes place in. So like. I was wondering if they got the, all these things right, and it just led into this uh, unsolved mystery. Well, but my 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 question is, why do people not think we're amateurs anyway? That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. That's not an unsolved mystery. That mystery's been solved fairly fast. <laughs> what are you talking about, gentlemen? We're professionals. Well, I've got this board here that has a soundboard now, so yeah, we are professional grade. <laughs> professional grade, but, not professional quality. <laughs> Hey, I think it sounds right. That sounds great, content-wise. That should be the the tagline for our show. Professional grade, not professional quality. So what happened down at the border there, Adam? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I researched a little bit. So this happens in the 1960s, and he's he's going down there in the 1960s, and I was uh, researching what was going down uh, on the border, and apparently the Cuban Missile Crisis was ramping up, so they actually put a bunch of money into um, uh, the INS, and they were stopping people not only from Cuba, but they were putting uh, new border agents uh, on the border down there. And they were ramping up uh, their ability to capture people going to or from uh, the country. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> Red is a ninja then because he got around all those people. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, they still, I mean, people still do it to this day. Could have went through the desert. Yeah. And then went I across mean, the Rio Grande. I mean, with all the ebbs and flows of Border Patrol and, and you know, uh, impenetrable border walls, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's still people that cross the border. So I'm sure he could have made it, but I was just, I was just wondering, you know, how he seemed to do it so flawlessly and they just kind of glossed over that fact it's just like okay he's there now well i think yeah. it's just a fact that it was a tour bus like it's just a, a group like a tour like a tour bus isn't that what they call those yeah. like when a group of people like is that is a tour bus yeah yeah okay i i didn't know if i was like shitting on something like you know like get a fucking hateful email like no it's not a tour bus you fucking idiot yeah, i thought <laughs> about that too 
I thought about, like, okay, it's a tour bus to Mexico, but he got his ticket to Texas. So he had to get off the bus and cross the border. I swam through 500 yards of <laughs> foul smell. Foul smell in Rio Grande. <laughs> Probably does smell like garbage. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, birth defects that happened around the Rio Grande. Yikes. Is that another rabbit hole you went down? Like, well, now that I'm looking at the Rio Grande. No, that's just a random piece of trivia that I have stored up in my head for no reason. Oh. <laughs> well, when we yeah, uh, when we have the uh, the like, if we ever do a live show, keep that keep that card handy. Okay. Just go down a rabbit hole for no reason. Like, oh, hey, you know. We're doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you know that there's a lot of birth defects around the Rio Grande? Has nothing to do with the fucking movie, but I figured you guys ought to know. <laughs> All right. At least we're in the setting of the movie. True. <laughs> um, that is a good question. Uh, I honestly, I, I don't know. I now that you threw all these fucking like facts and shit at us. I'm just going to chalk it up to good old-fashioned movie magic. There you go, movie magic. Red got lucky. That's how, if I can't figure it out, I'm just going to chalk it up to movie magic. That or at the border, they said, fuck, that's Morgan Freeman. He's cool, let him go through. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely didn't kill his family. All right. Nope, that's Morgan (laughs) Freeman. Uh, Lucas, do you have anything, uh, any mysteries... No, I was I was trying to come up with something, but no, I, I got nothing. The uh, the only other one I have is how did Andy like the bag that he has tied to his leg? Like, how good is the quality like keeping shit out of that from getting into that bag? Because I mean, we know he swims through a sewer, but yet nothing fucking gets in the bag. That bag doesn't smell like shit or nothing. He like might how? Well. He's like he had all that time in the library. He must be able to tie a really good knot. From you know, he probably read about it. God damn, Lucas, that's that's another good point. <laughs> Everything is set in motion for a reason. The library is like, hey, I get this library. I can figure out cool ways to like get uh, suits and shit out of a out of a prison sewer system. Man's very surreal. What he did was he went up to Red, and we didn't see it because it was off screen, but he went up to Red, and he's like, I heard you can get things. And Red's like, yeah, I've been there to acquire a few things. And then he's like, I need a waterproof bag to store clothes in. <laughs> a shit-proof bag. <laughs> I need the biggest Ziploc freezer bag you can get a hold of. <laughs> I don't want the zipper kind. I want the, the fresh seal lock. That seals in the freshness that keeps everything out. <laughs> including poopy <laughs> and I hope he called it poopy too alright well Lucas if you don't have any mysteries that you need to figure out uh, we will get to the last award of the night the I'm the king of the world for the performer or person who wins the movie I'm the king of the world uh, Adam I will allow you to go first so I decided not to go with the um, uh, protagonist this time uh, at least the lead this time, because I always do. Um, and I felt like it was uh, time to move on and say, Morgan Freeman uh, wins this movie. I mean, he's the narrator. 
he is the tone of the movie um and his character is just likable too and he he tells the movie in such a way that um you can't stop watching it if you catch it on tv you know morgan freeman's talking i'm gonna listen now you know it it really it sounds like he tells the like he narrates the movie like it's kind of like an adult like lullaby or like a, a a book that you'd read to your kid at night, but it's like a kind of an adult version. He just has that smooth, yeah. that smooth, comforting voice. I mean, it makes sense too. Yeah. Like, you know, nominate him. He basically gets a second career as a narrator. Like now I think he's pretty much, if you want people to read, like I've, I've always said that if I won the lottery, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to hire a famous person to record a voicemail message for me. And it's always yeah. been, I always wanted Sam Elliott. Like I just it'd be cool to like you've reached Russ's cell phone. Please leave a, but also Morgan Freeman would be very cool. And I remember what's that app Waz? Waze. Waze. Okay, thank you. I I sound like your guys' dad. Like, hey kids, what's that <laughs> application on my my telephone where I can that, gives me the maps? You have one that handheld computer. I need to get hooked up to the Wi-Fi. You kids on the the Face Space and the My Book. Uh, but uh, I, it was either that or uh, Garmin had something on their GPS where like Morgan Freeman would be your uh, your turn by turn navigation voice. Yeah, I have Master Chief doing mine. So was it was it Waze? It is yeah. Waze. Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. But go ahead, Adam. Uh, give us the rest of your case uh, for Morgan Freeman. He is so. Yeah, the movie's about Andy Dufresne, and it's about um, him going to Shawshank and him escaping from Shawshank and what he did for Shawshank, but it's not its not Andy Dufresne's story. It's Morgan Freeman's point of view. It's Morgan Freeman's story about Andy Dufresne. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the point of view of Red, so it's like he is the main character, even though Andy Dufresne is the main character. Mm-hmm. And I think that p- telling it through the point of view of Red gives us that uh, little extra layer of um, likability to it. Just lends that that whole um, human uh, kind of uh, relatability to the movie, and it makes it, it makes the movie that much better. Mm-hmm. That's a very that's a actually a very excellent case for Morgan Freeman. Excellent. Lucas, uh, who do you have? Uh, I also have Morgan Freeman, and I have written down pretty much the exact same thing that Adam said. Um, so I won't go back through it. But as you as you were saying, like uh, Morgan Freeman, probably after this movie, like his voice became just as recognizable as his acting. I oh, yeah, think. he's like – didn't he play like uh, God in one of the – is it Bruce – Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, yeah, yeah, and now his his nickname is the Voice of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so yeah. he basically parlays this into a second career, right? So I think just just all those those facts that Adam brought up, you know, and with his with his voice being the narration, I think Morgan Freeman absolutely wins this movie. Um, I actually didn't have uh, either one. But I, I don't think I can compete with the, the case that you gentlemen have made for Morgan Freeman. I actually nominated Frank Darabont. 
reason I nominated him is if he decided to take Rob Reiner, his offer to let like basically, like, hey, Rob, you direct this. I'll take the money and I'll do something else. We would have gotten probably a, a completely different movie. One I think probably would have been good, but I don't think it would have been the classic that we had. So I think Frank deciding to like, you know what, I would rather, you know, I've put the, the time into writing the script. I want to see it all the way through. You know, he he got the guys that he wanted. We didn't get Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise. I give it yeah. to him, but I think Morgan Freeman, you guys pretty much made the case for him, so we're going to give it to Morgan Freeman. Sounds good, but what that I mean, that's a good case for um, Frank. How do you say his Frank name? Frank Darabont. Dar- <laughs> what else did he do? Uh, Frank Darabont did The Green Mile. Oh, man, that's an excellent movie. Uh, he did The Mist, which is also a very good movie. And he was the creator of The Walking Dead. And he also did The Majestic, too. So he's got the a pretty Majestic, good batting average. That's the one I was telling you that you should check out. Oh, with, is it? Uh, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie's really underrated. I will I will do my best to check it out sometime. Which uh, I know, like, when we were all locked in, uh, movie theaters weren't open. I, I did my best, like, to try to watch movies that I haven't seen, but I ended up just revisiting all the shit that I've watched hundreds of times. I think everybody did. <laughs> Which is kind of the purpose yeah. of this show. Um. Well, before we wrap this up tonight, uh, do either one of you gentlemen have anything you want to add before we hit the old dusty trail? Uh, Forrest Gump was still the best movie of 94. Uh, no, it wasn't. But, Adam, do you have anything yeah. you want to add? Uh, so I'm going to completely ignore what Lucas said because that's going to get into a whole other argument. Wait a minute. Did Lucas say something? I don't think who's, so. Who's Lucas? I think I, it's like there's some fucking weird echoing effect <laughs> in the mics. But go ahead, Adam. Uh, this uh, this movie, um, I think, is one of the better um, movies that is from an era of um, uh, non-action, non—you uh, know—Marvel superhero um, franchise, you know, cinema. It's one of those movies that is still great to this day, and it's better than that kind of movie that draws in billions of dollars in the box office mm-hmm. and it, it shows that a movie doesn't have to have a great box office to be good right yeah I mean they, they just don't make them like this anymore yeah. god damn Adam you're just bringing the fire to yeah, Adam was like on his fucking, fucking A game fire. well I will commend you as well Lucas you fucking totally blew my mind with the whole the uh, the rooftop scene and how that sets in motion this plan you turn the Shawshank Redemption into from essentially a drama to some kind of man wrongfully put in prison thriller to me because now I'm just going to watch it again like trying to piece together like when all this shit comes together like okay yeah see Andy setting up the guards to lure them into a false sense of security and Red's getting him shit to bust out of the joint. He's getting yeah, I mean, it, rock hammers it and Ziploc bags. So I guess I do have something to add. So like that, I think that is a good point of this movie. Like it's it can be interpreted as different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I've always liked in this movie 
I think this movie's always been like a really good reflection on like just male friendship, you know, like how you can love like a friend without it being like yeah. you know romantic. Just like it's a it's a it's my bros. For example, yeah. how I love you guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, but Luke, not romantically. Yeah, it's it's kind of how this is, and I think that's what makes it resonate so well. You know. Yeah that that line at the end where um where he's talking about how Andy left and everybody's just, you know, talking, uh, like all the different stories, uh, that they had with Andy while he was there. And then, and then he's talking to himself as the narrator, like, you know, I think I'm just sad and I miss my friend. Yeah, dude, you that know? gets me every fucking time. Like every time he says that, like, God damn, I've been there before. I've so been there. I think we've all been there recently. We, we just kind of miss each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I dude, this was awesome. I, I loved getting the band back together for this one tonight. Uh, I think this is a great choice for the the one year anniversary. Um, if you guys want to send us any anniversary gifts, uh, please write us an email at the uh, it's just couch potato podcast at gmail dot com. We'll give you our mailing addresses. I wear a size large in concert tickets. Um, <laughs> I don't know about Lucas and Adam. <laughs> yes. But uh, yep. it's been awesome. I couldn't think of a better way to do the uh, one-year anniversary than to do with the the A team, the band. So thanks, guys. Russ, we did it one year. One year, and this was the last episode of the Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, but, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, for uh, hanging in there, hanging out with us for a year. It's been fun doing this. Uh, I mean, just a way for us to shoot the shit about movies, which we we love so uh thanks for tuning in each week to hear us just shoot the shit and you know you may wonder like what the fuck am i listening to or you may finish an episode like i can't believe i listened to that but hey thanks for listening anyways but uh yeah, we've so got we appreciate you we love you uh but yeah we've got a lot of big stuff coming up for uh the upcoming year so uh follow us wherever you listen to like your socials we're on every platform so uh, until next week, we'll talk at you guys later. All right. That was this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, thanks for sticking with us for a whole year. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, next week, we're going to tackle Zombieland. It's going to be me and Lucas, and I think we're going to bring back the Brotato Tot, my, my boy, my seed, Jack. He's going to be joining us this uh, next <laughs> episode. Seed, I love it. <laughs> Um. So, uh, yeah, that's gonna be next Monday. Zombieland gonna be fucking cool. Um. So if you uh, liked what you heard, subscribe. You can get us wherever you listen to podcast. Uh, if you don't like what you heard, uh, just use that machine, uh, that gizmo that the Men in Black use that erases your memory and just forget that we even exist. <laughs> but uh, until next Monday, we will catch you guys later. Deuces.